Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and sports nutrition professor of about 20 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild. I'm a strength coach. I'm also a powerlifter and soon-to-be Highland Games athlete again. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Um, We are going to cover some mail that leads to some science news. Uh, We have some other news and then uh, in the topic of the day, after the break, we're just going to talk about strength celebrities um, that are open about their use and, you know, whether or not that affects their expectations with their lifters. In other words, what's eating and programming like? You know, what are some of the, the compare and contrast in eating and training with enhanced lifters versus ones that really aren't? Um, mm-hmm. So, but let's start with this. Uh, first mail, this is from Karen, um, long-time listener, always sends good stuff. And it actually kicks off a, a whole thematic little series of um, news bits about protein. So Karen says, uh, would love for a follow-up article on resistance-trained women, but I did find this recently. Protein feeding pattern does not affect protein retention in young women. So there's that. Now, she's, she actually sent a couple of links. Uh, this is in marked contrast to all the male studies, as you know, that say pulsed protein intake is helpful. And then she sent the link. And then it says, but they also sometimes say that this sort of protein distribution pattern uh, could help elderly women. So sort of like the men. So we end up with this sort of confusing message, I think, from science, which is, uh, maybe, maybe that um, pulsed protein feedings or the distribution of your protein throughout the day may not help, you know, young women, whereas it may help men or older women. So she says, um, elderly women are postmenopause. She's speculating here on the differences between the elderly women and the younger ones. Uh, they're postmenopause, so this could go back to something that you guys bring up all the time: that estrogen is protective of muscle. Uh, important to note, this is just muscle retention and not other factors like meal satiety. Um, has the guest you had, Mike Ormsby, who spoke about getting protein in before bed, examined gender differences? Karen. Well, let me just go to some of the papers here that Karen sent in, and I'm just going to touch on these briefly with sort of the caveat that I'm sure not going to have all the answers to this. I mean, the, when you look at protein synthesis literature, or even older nitrogen balance studies, I, my opinion, and this sounds boring, but is just eat, you know, eat lots of protein, bring in the calories along with it. It's almost like we're, we're back to what lifters have always done in a sense. But I understand that we, we do want to use science to maybe pulse protein or, you know, eat it at maybe at certain times of the day if we if it's going to help. So this first one, which is sort of the, um, the impetus, I think, for this email from Karen was by uh, 
Arnal or Arnal A R N A L and colleagues. This is an older uh, paper from 2000, but it says protein feeding pattern does not affect protein retention in young women. Uh, this study was undertaken to determine whether a pulse protein f- uh, feeding pattern was more efficient than a spread out pattern to improve essentially anabolic effects in young women. Um, because this has already been shown in elderly, the advantage of this pulse pattern. So after a 15-day uh, adaptive period, and it's important that they do that to get everybody sort of even keel with the protein intake. Um, let's see, 16 young women, age 26, uh, were given a 14-day diet providing 1.7 grams of protein per kilogram of their fat-free mass using either a pulse pattern, which is protein consumed mainly in one meal, or a spread-out pattern. Uh, nitrogen balance was determined during this period, and they did whole body protein turnover with a, a tracer, right? N15 glycine is a tracer. I've actually used it before uh, in the lab. Anyway, nitrogen balance was higher during the experimental period, again, compared to that just set the stage adaptive period. So once they start feeding the protein purposely, nitrogen balance was improved. Um, but not significantly different in the women fed the spread versus the pulse pattern. It is worth noting, though, that the nitrogen retention seemed to go way up, whether it was the you know spread or pulse. It says no significance also in uh, whole body protein synthesis or protein breakdown. So in young women, the feeding pattern did not have significant effects. So again, kind of back to that idea that, you know, just eat your protein kind of thing mm-hmm. um one of the other studies she sent was a paper that i was familiar with from um a while back also by dangan uh and colleagues this is let's see journal of nutrition back in 2002 i'm just going to cut to the chase at the end of this our preliminary results suggest that added non-protein energy sources so getting some you know carbs and fats along with your casein or whey attenuates the difference in protein digestion and the rate of protein gain. In other words, when you eat actual meals, mixed meals, it muddies the waters. It says, and in contrast to young subjects, a fast protein may be more beneficial than a slow one in elderly subjects to limit body protein loss. So, and again, back and forth quite a bit here, and um, I, I think she's on the mark with, you know, the differences or lack thereof that you see in different populations. It is worth noting, right, that women are not simply smaller men. You have to actually go take a look. Um, This dovetails with a paper that came across my desk this week. This is literally, well, now. It's February of this year. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Myofibrillar and mitochondrial protein synthesis rates uh, do not differ in young men following the ingestion of carb with milk protein, whey, or micellar casein after concurrent resistance and endurance exercise. So I, I like this because, again, sort of real world, they're going to mix the carbs in with various kinds of proteins, just a generic milk protein versus whey versus casein. Uh, and then the workout wasn't just so many sets of barbell work, but it was actually mixed in with a little bit of cardio, if you will. So it says whey and micellar casein are high quality dairy proteins that can stimulate postprandial, right, postmeal muscle protein synthesis, 
Uh, how whey and casein compare with quote-unquote milk protein uh, still needs uh, studied. So the objective of this paper is to compare the post-meal protein synthesis, essentially, after protein-carbohydrate co-ingestion, right? So adding carbs to milk protein to whey or to micellar casein. Um, long story short, the muscle protein synthesis rates over 360 minutes of recovery did not differ between the treatments, uh, although the ones that included protein did have greater you know, muscle protein synthesis rates compared to carb alone. So the conclusion of this new paper is that uh, muscle and mitochondrial uh, protein synthetic rates do not differ after co-ingestion of either milk protein, whey protein, or micellar casein with carbs uh, during recovery from um, about involving both endurance and lifting. Uh, and again, I just feel like it's almost back to the original discussion here, which is just eat. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to – if it has differences, I'm not sure it's going to be rubber hits the road, large effects kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mixing in carbs and mixing in the type of exercise leads to no big differences here. And again, uh, this was in young men, this one. So more on protein, right? Just eat your protein. Keep, keep it coming, I guess, and mix in some calories with it. Um, this dovetails further from a paper I got through Mike Nelson and Allison. So Allison says, hello, I've been wanting to email you guys at Iron Radio. Several times I've heard you guys speak about considering taking a larger dose of protein uh, if it's from a vegan source. In other words, you got to eat more because it's not quite as high on the quality scale. Uh, if I remember correctly, you said it's because it's not complete and it's lacking branched-chain amino acids, for example, needed for muscle protein synthesis. I drink vegan protein powder only because of the side effects of whey and casein that I get, like bloating, acne, etc. Um, I'm 44. I work out three times a week with powerlifting. And while I can have a whey shake here and there, I try to stay away from it. At this time, I mainly only drink vegan protein, but I do eat meats such as chicken, beef, etc. My question is, would I still need to double the dose of vegan protein powder if it includes branched-chain amino acids? Um, Also, I think I read branched-chain amino acids stay in your blood for about three to four hours. If I have chicken or steak as a meal before or after the vegan shake, would I still have enough, um, essentially, of the branched-chains or essential amino acids in my bloodstream? Thanks in advance, not only for answering, but for giving me a great source of honest, trustworthy information, Allison. Okay, Allison, um, we're, it, it, this is sort of thematic, but one thing I would say is double check, and you may have, if it's the brand and not the whey protein that's causing bloating or any kind of the side effects that, that you're having. Um, and I, I say this partly because some whey proteins or casein are hydrolyzed. In other words, they're pre-digested with enzymes. And so hydrolyzed proteins like that, they're often more expensive, but we use that in clinical settings sometimes, like what's called an elemental diet if someone has digestion problems. So if you're having a problem with the whole milk protein or the whole whey or the whole casein, maybe try a hydrolyzed version. Uh, there's even some suggestion in the literature it might be better for gains. So that that's one thing that I would suggest. Uh, I don't like the idea of staying away from whey and casein, but I get it. Some people can't for whatever intolerance reasons. Um, 
as far as your question about if you add branch chains or essential amino acids, you know, missing or low amino acids to a vegan protein, would it help? Uh, that needs tested. I did review a paper once. In fact, I think it was last year uh, where they were comparing pea protein with uh, whey uh, quite favorably, in fact. Uh, I would think, yeah, that would probably have an effect. But that's something that I think needs further testing. You know, can you spike certain kinds of vegetable proteins with a, the low amino acid and uh, expect it to behave like whey? You know, um, my gut says, yes, it probably would. And then your other question about what if you ate before or after because these things sort of come and go in your bloodstream over three or four hours. Yeah, I think that muddies the waters, right? If you're just eating, this goes back to an old vegetarian question. Does, do I have to do complementary proteins like grains and beans in the same meal? Or could you do something like have grains like a oatmeal for breakfast and then have beans at lunch? And are you still covered, right, uh, because of this sort of – lag it's not like they're out of your system immediately so i i do think that helps but as a physiologist i would really want to have this stuff in my system more or less at the same time you know if it's within an hour or two i think that might be ideal you know to again to get the the complete proteins from the meats along with that vegan stuff i don't think i would rely solely on a vegan protein um even if it was spiked with certain amino acids i i think that would help but I think uh, as long as you're getting in a meal with some meats or some quality animal proteins, you know, within a, a fairly short period of time, hour or two, I think you're probably good. I mean, I, I think it's worth saying I wouldn't survive on powders of any kind solely. Oh, so. good point. no, that's a good point. <laughs> yep. So vegan or not. So, mm-hmm. yeah, even when I do slam some whey protein um, within an hour and a half, probably getting home, I'm eating a meal. You know, an actual meal. So, um, so that was from Allison. Thank you, Allison, and thanks for the kind words. That was that was cool. Uh, Phil, you have something, right? Yeah. So it's been all over the social media and everything else, but basically, up in Michigan, there was a guy who, well, two vehicles got in a wreck, and it ended up one guy was pinned underneath his two-ton SUV, and a power lifter happened upon the scene. There were four guys trying to move the car with no luck and he ran over and saw his chance and uh, was able to move the vehicle <laughs> and, and get the guy under, out, out of underneath there. I just actually tracked this guy down. Um, he's Ryan Belcher, owner of absolute power LLC, big fella. He's like three fifty. There's a video of him squatting nine seventy five raw. Oh um, yeah. He's a big fella. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. He was able to move it enough. To get him out, um, and then he shows a story of him meeting the guy afterwards in the hospital, and uh, he's like, he's the guy's paralyzed from the waist down or something like that, but he's alive, and they said he wouldn't be alive without him, and he said, you know, he just jumped out and saw somebody in need, and jumped right in and just started. He said, I grabbed it and just started going. <laughs> and, I love uh, he it. Said, Next thing I know, people yelled, "That's enough! We can get him out!" So I stopped and they got him out. So. Um, yeah, this is a, like a real-life superhero story, isn't it? Yeah, and it's definitely <laughs> one of those cases you hear like mom picks up car off of baby and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it shows you the power of what like adrenaline can do. Because, um, yeah, I mean, a 950 squat and 800 deadlift is big, but that's not 2,000 pounds. But, uh, yeah. you know, you get in a situation like that, and you take a highly trained individual and add in a little adrenaline, and <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> who knows what can happen. 
So uh, I I believe it. I mean, if it's a two ton vehicle, I mean, obviously it's piv- he's not lifting the entire car no, off the yeah. ground, right? So I really think you could do that. Um, uh, as I was mentioned earlier, my brother and I once did that. There was some cocky guy. Now this was in tandem, so this is not nearly as heroic. But yeah, yeah. every time you get these guys who park like. They sort of park kitty corner in a parking space. I don't know. They, they, their ride is so precious. They don't want people to touch it or something. And we needed the parking place. So we moved his ass back into the parking yeah. place. Just yeah. sort of grabbed the bumper of it and kind of bounced it back into position, you know. Um, yeah. But it goes to show, yeah, I mean, if you're reasonably strong, and this guy's more than reasonably strong, um, you it has real-world benefits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we did the same thing in high school. We turned – some girl's car sideways in the parking spot between two other cars. It was pretty <laughs> funny. But it's <laughs> you know. funny. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, good job. So it's one of those. It's not just a case of him being really strong, but it's also just lucky to be at the right place at the right time. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, and jumped out and was able to help how he can. So, yeah, but. a couple of weeks ago, I might have mentioned this, but there was a girl. She was she got trapped. Her car died in the middle of a roundabout. We have this really dangerous. I don't know. I don't know why they can't just do an overpass, I guess just money. But, you know, it's this very awkward roundabout, and her car got stuck right in the middle. And I was kind of mm. late for work, and then I'm like, I think I still have enough in these legs to push her car out of there, you know. <laughs> so I, I yeah. went back. I pulled over, and I pushed her out of the thing. She looked at me kind of funny, and I'm like, you know, I didn't want her to roll down the window or anything. She doesn't know me. I just yeah. pointed up the street, and I pushed her, you know, two blocks up the street and got her out of there because those cars are, you know, these guys are just a-holes whipping around yeah. the circle, you yeah. know. But, yeah, it does kind of show that, you know, our our community, um, sometimes the negative press that, that we get for, you know, doping issues or whatever, um, you can do. You can help. It, it's, it's a good thing yeah. to, to be stronger than pretty much the people around you. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. All right. Cool stuff. Okay. um, Let's go ahead and we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, considerations of enhanced versus natural uh, clients and some of these celebrity coaches and whether or not, you know, they should adjust. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. 
Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, folks, uh, we're back. It's Phil and Lonnie, and we're going to talk a little bit about celebrity coaches online or or what have you uh, and whether or not they adjust, right, their expectations or their uh, advice for natural lifters who might not, you know, respond the same or have the same requirements of clients who are enhanced like they are and – this was partly stemmed from uh, an email that I got, uh, and I'm, I, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this too, so that is what it is. But let me ask you a couple of questions about this, Phil. Um, let's start with the eating side of things because this is something I can chime in on too. But first of all, uh, when we did that episode a couple of weeks ago, the Elephant in the Room episode, we were talking about how a lot of guys, that when they're – <laughs> when they are squatting 975 like we're talking about you know just now in the news section and things like that you know there's a good chance people like this are enhanced i mean they're enormous they're ridiculously strong stuff like that um on the eating side though if you have a client who comes in and he's not like the people who you're familiar with who use do you have your guys like that or gals do you have them dirty bulk do you have them eat the same way i mean obviously it depends on their goals and how worried they are about their mm-hmm. their body composition you know but, yeah but w- well it depends on their age too mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like right now i'm lucky enough to be dealing a lot of, with a lot of kids that are you know 15 to 25 and they can get away a lot more than 40 to 60 that's for sure <laughs> you know? Amen. When i'm doing like i'm dealing with an 18 year old right now it's just like just eat buddy just eat and let's let's train so yeah. yeah um so yeah i mean it definitely depends and then uh, you know i don't deal i deal with some bodybuilders i haven't dealt with uh any in a little while but we've taken some people to to win some win some things and uh i'd, I'd honestly say compared to power compared to strength sports and whatnot i think the biggest difference with performance enhancement and like the eating is when you start talking like high levels of growth hormone Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. you don't see a lot in powerlifting and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, powerlifters in general and strength athletes aren't so worried about being four percent. They're worried about moving weight. So right, yeah. Uh, so it doesn't doesn't matter. So the much. eating. So your your advice for eating probably wouldn't matter that much. So you got a twenty five year old guy who's obviously clean, you know, yeah. and you have one that's not. You're no, you're going to have a, similar 
similar views or yeah advice? as long as they don't mind you know gaining some body fat which they're going to do either way <laughs> you know? yeah i mean they know that's, that's right you know, even if they're on a bunch of gas, if they eat a bunch of food, it's just not going to be 100% lean gains. You know? Right. It's going to swing it the other direction more, of course. But uh, but no, I mean, mass moves mass, and I haven't had it not work with anyone. You know, I've never mm-hmm. had a client that, like, we trained hard and gained a significant amount of weight, and they didn't get stronger. It just works. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm always in this sort of conflict with this sort of thing because you're right, and it depends on their age and their starting body comp. Like yeah. there is a young man that I'm aware of, and we were having a discussion recently about just uh, the, the dirty bulk is going to be good for him. He has no body fat. You know, he's naturally lean and muscular, and it's going to be advantageous to just take it in. <laughs> we were ha- ha- only half joking about shoveling down nice, soft, uh, like – this is your idea, feel like uh, high-calorie chicken sandwiches from McDonald's or, yeah. you know, um, processed, just cheap-ass burritos and stuff like mm-hmm. that because it's not just about the protein. It's about just calorie load. And if you got somebody who's just – they have no chance, <laughs> you know, in their normal lifestyle of putting uh, having a belly, you know, then yeah. then you're going to have to step on the gas a little bit, I mean, calorie-wise, and, yes. you know, and make things happen for that kind of person. At the same time – I think if if I was working with a natural bodybuilder and he was most of the weight he was doing if you know you're sort of gauging between and I don't like these loaded terms like clean bulk dirty bulk you know but if he's trying to make gains with oatmeal and chicken breasts and mm-hmm. you know and handfuls of almonds and granola and trying to do it you know in a more nutrient rich healthier way um and that's not quite enough, so he's going to throw in a little bit of junk food on top of it. And I know you tend to do that, Phil. Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. you have a solid diet, then throw on the calories of mm-hmm. whatever. And if that means brownies and donuts, so be it. If they're a natural guy, though, is if, if most of the weight gain, let's say he puts on 10 pounds, and it's all around his belly, and he's not looking any thicker through his shoulders, you know, it's clearly yeah. just being deposited as fat. Then we're going to have to be careful, right? And we mm-hmm. might we might focus, keep the calories up, but do it with – you know, a, a little bit more cautious um, amounts, you know, and food sources and things like that. Because the the quote-unquote cleaner bulk foods are going to have fiber in them and things like that that are going to slow you down as far as the total calorie load. You yeah. know, it's just sort of a midpoint for that. Um, I, I, one other thing, too. I would also say there's another way to get in a positive energy balance to grow. If you don't – if the bulking is leading to too much belly fat – you know, and it's, they're just not getting a lot stronger and uh, thicker muscularly. Um, you can also learn to be lazy a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these hard gainer type guys that are natural, um, I think you really have to think about that, right? You can get a positive energy balance by not doing, you know, five junk sets that mm-hmm. are above and beyond. You're just doing all this accessory work, you know, after your main heavy compound lifts and you're just kind of spinning your wheels and then you go, you know, then you go mow the lawn and then you you, you paint a house and then you go dance all night and party yeah. and you've got to learn to be lazy um, and that would be a way to help create a positive energy balance without turning to the the gas station burritos, you know. Yeah, and I think that's honestly, you mentioned that, I think that's a lot of the reason why I was able to get up to the heaviest weight I've ever been. Because I, me at 42, I'm not as just daily active as I was at 32. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a different job. I have a different job. I have, you know, I don't train as often because of orthopedic issues and things like that. So, you know, and now I'm, I got to the biggest and strongest I've ever been. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I think I was actually doing less. It's I think that's a big part of it was I was doing less. Yeah, including I should I should add we in, like in the news section we were talking about combined weights with cardio. Uh, it's time to stop the cardio for a while. <laughs> if you're mm-hmm. a hard gainer, and again this is some if somebody is on anabolics, they might get be able to get away with you know just getting uh, indulgent with aggressive you know sled pushes and just doing other all kinds of different conditioning stuff. Um, and that's something that a, a a natural person might not be able to do. They might have to actually learn to go home and sit on the couch, you mm-hmm. know, and grow and just grow. Um, yeah. Okay. The next topic would be, and again, we're, we're having the idea, you know, what do you as a coach do, uh, you know, having seen people on all sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But what about training-wise? I don't know. Is it a volume thing? Is it a training intensity? Is there any difference between, you know, an enhanced um, client and someone who's not? I think – I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think there there is, but I think a lot of people take that overboard. I think there are a lot of people out there that are enhanced and they still train too much. They think that, okay, this is my ticket to, to train – train way way more mm-hmm. um and you see them and they're injured and i think that's a lot of bigger the reason why they're injured we're torn muscles torn tendons torn this torn that torn you know it's uh there's still a point especially at the tendon level and you know uh that the body just can't recover from it yeah you know the muscular level turnover is a lot faster but you know your tendons and things just do not cooperate so i think i think a lot of people take that a little too far overboard and they don't take the long uh, well we talked about it before the long game approach like we talked about last week with brian um they're always looking at i need to be world champion next year not five years from now um, and it leads them to be in wrecked five years from now instead of still in the game so you know phil um, that's something you see with um bodybuilders and power lifters is uh, it's the the rate at which, like, if someone does choose to be enhanced, the rate at which they onboard the gas in mm-hmm. these days is stupid. You know, yes. instead of dabbling with Deca or something <laughs> for for years, you know, and then they're building, you know, like you said, tendon strength and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they step on. They're they're gramming it. You know. With, yeah. They go from zero to all of them. Yes. <laughs> to all of them. Polypharmacy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so. then and you're right. And it's interesting is whether that on a histology level it weakens tendons or the fact like you said is all of a sudden they find themselves squatting five and six hundred pounds like a you know less than a year later you yeah. know um, no wonder <laughs> they get injured. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, and you see guys that are. You know, I'll have guys send me, here's what I'm taking. And it's like, okay, where do you go from there? You're like, you just started. You have nowhere up to go. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, you can train harder. I mean, and that's, I think, the misconception, a lot of it with performance-enhancing drugs, is people think you just take them and get, you. it's like Captain America. He steps out of the machine and he's jacked. Yeah. It's not that way. You know, basically it is a you have the ability to work harder is what it does you know enhances your recovery so you have the ability to work a bit harder and a bit more often um it's not this magic ticket that you just take it and automatically jacked you know you have to 
all of a sudden you have to put in more work because you can. So right. Um, but uh, well, now let me let me ask. So some of these. I'm going to call them strength celebrities. I mean, I know they're also coaches, but I mean, let's be honest. Um, some of these quote unquote coaches um, that are heavy users and they're very open about it online and that sort of thing, they would not have a job in a university or like an Olympic training center. They would be fired, yeah. right? Yeah. So we yeah. have to keep that in perspective. So the people who do come out with this, they're the ones that they've got their own business and they and they're not really. Um, hired by anyone who will automatically demonize and fire them, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, so do you think that the, the those guys, though, and you, you and again, we've talked about this many times over the years, but that doesn't also doesn't mean that these strength celebrities don't know what they're doing. You no. know, some some do without a shadow of a doubt. Some don't. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. What's what would be your your thoughts on that? Like the, the coach himself is so huge, and, and it, it infects or affects his outlook and what he expects out of his clients. For me, a big one is if you, if you see a coach and they haven't, they don't have people under them that are stronger than them, or at least up there with them. Maybe they don't know what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, yeah, I mean. Because they haven't gotten, to, they haven't been able to get anybody else there. So, I mean, it's one thing to get yourself there, but no, I, I don't discredit the information. That'd be like people saying that Ed Cohn has nothing to teach us because he got popped. No, <laughs> Ed's a brilliant man. Yeah, and he knows what he's doing, and he took a long, long approach to it. And you know, so and I mean, honestly, in many ways, them being open and out about it is a lot more honest than the ones who aren't. And like you've talked about before, saying that it, it was the animal pack vitamins. That's oh, what got right. me jacked. You know? Yeah. <laughs> At least they're being open. And they're like, hey, I took this, but here's what we do. And most of them will, will talk on this subject as well. Like, hey, if you're not you know, taking the things I am, maybe we'll have to back off a little bit. Or, All right. Or let, me, let me ask you a hard question. I, this can put you on the spot a little bit. but um, So what about like a natural guy who, you know, he, he's just insistent that he's – He's going to stay completely off of any kind of performance enhancing meds, and he walks into Westside Barbell. Mm-hmm. Should he be there? Is he going to be? Is he going to benefit from that, or would you say he's going to have to be careful in that social environment? If he goes into Westside Barbell and stays there any period of time, I'm doubting he stays off forever. <laughs> you know, it's just part of what it's what they do, right? Okay. You know? Yep. I mean, so no, I don't think he's going to be able to hang. Yeah. You know. I've never been to Westside, so I'm speaking from just hearsay and what I've seen. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Westside is very much an environment, much like the people that Louis has formed most of his his training around the the Eastern Bloc countries. Who yeah. their insight into training is: we're going to throw all this training at you, and the ones that are still alive after the four year block are the ones that are going to live. Yeah, it's it's going to kill you or make you stronger. You know, yeah. type of thing. You, so. you know, I think um, it's not so much that someone like Louis Simmons wouldn't have the knowledge to help, you know, a, a much no. smaller natural guy. It's just that he's not going to – he may not have much interest in it. I, I could be wrong in that. I don't know him. But as far yeah. as, like, the, the training volume, the loads, you know, that, that they are going to throw at each other, it might make it difficult to to walk into that environment, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. And once again, but I think it's very individualized. I mean, I, having being a coach that has worked with both. Um, 
it's not just that people on gas can handle more and people that aren't can't. It's still very individual. Yes, I mean, yes. Like this guy, I could have two guys taking exactly the same thing, and this guy on the left can handle a lot more than this guy on the right. I mean, so yep. it's not just the pharmaceuticals. So you have to, you know, there are people that just can't handle as much, and that's okay, and they do better with less volume or less intensity. So you got to figure that out as well. Right. But yeah, you know, it's, it's a good. Not just, it's a good point. I like even yeah. even someone's ability, not just to handle uh, training volume or or intensity times volume, but even there's huge individual differences. Even on the guys on the enhanced side, who how much how how many milligrams they can handle? Oh yeah, you know before yeah. they just have serious problems. And other guys, uh, Rob used to say, I think very sort of controversially that you know the guys in the upper echelons are the ones they have good genetics, but not for what you think. They have a good genetics for drug side effects and avoiding them. Yes, yeah, you know, uh, yep. which is a weird thought, but I see his well, point. Yeah, and I, I go back again, once again, to the just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's not a bad thing. To have the ability to come into your next training session like almost 100% recovered. You don't need to be beat up. Just because you can work three times harder, maybe work one and a half times harder. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's not It's not a, well, three times harder means I'll make three times the gains. No, three times harder may mean that you're three times as likely to be effed up. Right. You know? And you know what? I don't, I don't want to unfairly <laughs> put um, – celebrity strength coaches online, you know, in powerlifting settings in the crosshairs, because let's face it, for what, 40 years in bodybuilding magazines, you're getting the training routines of the stars, you know, and here's my, my tip for all young men and women listening. Don't go do 25 sets of back like Mr. Olympia is doing yeah. in his training program. He's sharing his training program. I don't yeah. think most people can handle that. Yep. So... But, I mean, and just another case of it, I mean, Jim Wendler, I mean, he is one of the people. He was at Elite Fitness. They were obviously on. They've talked about it. And, you know, he took over a high school in Ohio that was, like, dead last. And within a year, they were in state. You know. Boom. You're talking a team of high school kids that are not on anything. Yeah. Yeah. And they are all much, much, much better. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, just because, you know, being on stuff doesn't mean you know everything. And being on stuff doesn't mean that you're – your opinion and your information is not applicable. And yeah. you know what? And yet, I would think that bimodal kind of thing uh, is exactly how the public perceives them. Oh, he's just on. That's why he's like that on one end versus yes. versus deify him because he's Mr. Olympia and I want that. So he must be a genius. It's neither. Yes. Right. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. And that's that's the thing is it's and that all stems from the. Well, at least on the one side of he doesn't know anything. That all stems from the media, you know, portrayal of performance enhancing drugs as a magic pill. Yeah. That automatically make you jacked and strong and better. Like, right. oh, I could be in the NFL too if I took. No, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. So. No, it's a good point. Uh, you know what? From a bodybuilding perspective on the training side, uh, when we talk about intensity and volume, you do have to really watch that more closely. Right, because I know you're saying it's it's not a license to abuse the the crap out of yourself just because you're on and you know just do um, I don't know high volume max squats every single day kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would be more cautious with somebody who uh, 
And again, d- individual differences. Let's face it. There are heavily mesomorphic guys that are high testosterone in the, in the natural population to, that can mm-hmm. handle more than the thinner, more ectomorphic yeah. guys and gals, right? But I would be more cautious with what I would call intensity techniques. Like negatives are great for growth. But mm-hmm. I think I, I, you know, the recovery times are going to be a little slower, and you're going to have to use those more judiciously. I don't think I would go into the gym and do heavy negatives every single time. Uh, especially with somebody who was, you know, completely natural and maybe a little bit lower on the on the testosterone scale or more ectomorphic and thin in nature, I would still use them. I mean, negatives are great for growth or, you know, giant sets. There are so many different what I call intensity techniques. And to your point about it's okay to not exhaust yourself. It's okay to leave a little bit in so you can come back the next time and be oh, 100%, yeah. you know. I mean, like I've, you know, getting ready for my meet, which is a little over a month ago, I was consistently hitting 700 pound squats and I generally wasn't muscularly sore at that point. My joints and stuff were hurting, but like last week I went in and all I did was squat 315 for 30, but I did them nice and controlled and slow. Well, I not in one set, Oh, (laughs) 30, 30 total reps. But I did them nice, like a four count down, four count up, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm wrecked. And it's not even half the weight, you know yep. what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely there's there's different ways to to beat up the horse, but uh, yeah, I mean, the the thing is with performance enhancing drugs is basically if you take the genetic elite, somebody that's genetically elite and just has the mind for it as well, which a lot of times you don't see those two mesh, and then add drugs, now you've got greatness. Yeah. You know, you can't take as far as you know, raw. You, you got to mix yeah, all three of those, you know, because a lot of the, I've had genetically just gifted individuals that had no drive. You know, they were automatically really good, but then things would get a little tough because they'd never had things tough and they quit because um, mm. they've never had to face that in their life. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, it's you got to get the full mix of that to become I don't know half Thor. Right. You got to be very genetically gifted, and you know. Plus driven, plus you know, plus and plus, mentally yeah. driven. Plus plus, yeah. It's it's all those things add up to a champion, right? All right. Um, one last thing as we sort of uh, wind down here. What about like um, training results, expectations, goals? Um, before we were recording, everybody, Phil and I were just talking. Like for example, you're not going to expect someone to put thirty pounds of body weight on in six months. You know, if if yeah. they're clean. I mean, maybe a rank beginner can put on 20 pounds, something like that. But how would the expectations differ, Phil? Like if you are working with somebody who, you know, is enhanced and they're they're just a, a large mammal, you know, and somebody else who comes in and they're not quite so large. What are your what are your goals and expectations for them? What do you say to them? Well, it just depends. Like the thing is, if I take like these two people would be nearly the same. I have somebody that's been training a few years and they decide they're going to dabble for the first time. And the person who hasn't trained and is not, those two are going to take off at roughly the same speed. You know, uh-huh. it's like, uh-huh. oh, okay, all of a sudden you're going to start taking stuff. Okay, you're going to make gains really fast. Or uh-huh. you went from couch potato to now training. You know how it is. When you first started, like weekly, you're like busting PRs. Absolutely. You know? Yep. So those two can be the same. And the same thing could be said for the person that's been training. You know, we've got a guy not on stuff that's been training 20 years, and we got a guy on stuff that's been training 20 years. They're both going to creep. 
You know, yes. just because just because this really strong person is on stuff doesn't mean he's still going to be putting up 100 pound PRs. You know, there's a reason right. why you know you don't see 1200 pound deadlifts because at some point, no matter the, what they're taking, it's just going to creep. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, that's the principle of diminishing fighting. returns, right? It's yeah. it's real. You can't. Yeah. Like you. You're not going to be routinely expecting to put fifty and hundred pounds on your deadlift no. every six months. You're just you're no. too near your genetic ceiling. Yeah, right? exactly. So. And and uh, it's just it's just the way it is. At, at some point, for everybody, you're going to be struggling to put two and a halfs on the bar. Right. So yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, but like I said, I mean, if I got somebody who's okay, you know, we've sat down, we've talked, and they're going to start doing this and that. And it's like, okay, well, expect things to start taking off a little bit. Now, are we going to change training much? No. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we might make a little adjustments here and there, but that's done on the fly by how they're you know, reacting weeks in a row. Yep. Now, I'm not going to base everything off. Oh, you had a great week. We better change everything. No, it was a good week. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. We need to look for good months, but I was thinking about that uh, this morning. Um, this is, might sound a little weird, but so here's like a metaphor or an analogy for this, like uh, with this idea of individual thing. Like some people are really against GMO foods, gen, you know, genetically modified foods. I'm personally not, but the point is the FDA says we judge these on a case by case basis. If the food is safe, right, uh, and nutritious. Uh, we don't care if it was crossbred on a farm or in a lab, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's a case by case where, all, you know, how safe and effective and, and nutritious is the food. And I would uh-huh. think the, the human side of that would be like what you were saying, right? If gains are coming, if progress is being made, whether they're dabbling or wherever they are on the, some scale of use, you're still going to judge as a coach. A wise coach is still going to make adjustments based on the individual progress, yes. you know, of that person. You're not yeah. going to say, "Listen, um, you know, now that you're you're using something, I'm I'm going to double the number of sets that you're doing, or something yeah. like that." You know? Yeah, exactly. We got to wait and see. Yeah. So I don't know how anything's going to how you're going to respond. You know? Right. You may feel like crap. You know? Yeah. So, oh, that's yeah. And yeah. then and then two weeks later, you're telling me I'm never doing this again. You know, I hated it. So I mean, I'd be stupid to double your training. Yep. So, well, what about like strength gains then? If you have two similarly sized individuals, right? They're both in- intermediate guys. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say they can bench three fifteen. You know, or or squat about that, or or what have you. Um, one is enhanced, the other is not. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of pro- progression models? And you know, or uh, it sounds like you're just going to basically treat them the same. Or maybe the, if a guy decides to use out of the middle of nowhere, he is he's going to almost go back to that um, beginner stage and expect gains more rapidly. Yeah, somewhat. And but I'm also going to slow it down a little bit on purpose because of what we talked about before. If I take a Hyundai and all of a sudden drop a V8 into it, it you know, oh, it's got a lot more horsepower now. But everything else on that car isn't meant to handle that horsepower. Mm-hmm. So it's going to tear see itself up. Blowing up. Yeah, I don't want to see people blowing up. So it's like, oh, that's neat that you can do that. Let's keep going slow. You know, it's obviously working what we're doing. So why are we going to change it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well, I, why I change guess... away from this sub maximal training that's already working? No, um, right. Yeah. Type of thing. 
Uh, I, I guess uh, because you know you you see these like um, bench press programs and stuff online, you know, and I put on 150 pounds in eight weeks on my bench, and you know, and you can too. That's kind of the the, the risk with this, right? Is these For expectations sure. like that? Well, and I think that's a whole other topic in and of itself. I think like brief brief programs of overreaching can be useful, but they need to be brief and far between. Mm-hmm. You know, for anybody, yeah, I don't care who you are, mm-hmm. because you are just going to just because you're on stuff doesn't mean you can't beat yourself up too much, you know, especially yeah. at the the tendon and orthopedic level. Yeah, you know, your cartilage and your joints and your, you know, they're just not they're not changing that fast, man. Mm-hmm. And you've only got you've only got so much cartilage, and then you'll have a hip replacement like me. You know, and right. So, yeah, no. I would I would think the. the Again, the the danger is, you know, some of these guys that they maybe they're not, you know, an experienced, educated kind of coach and they Mm -hmm. do. They they make promises. And you know what? And again, it's this deification, like when you read the old muscle magazines and the Mr. Olympia gains and all that. You know, they are applying their standards to young men. And then, yeah, the risk, and we've talked about this to we're blue in the face, but then these these young guys and gals are left disappointed. Like, I'm a chump. I wasn't able to put 150 pounds on my bench press. And it's like, well, you're not on three grams of, you know, testosterone yeah. esters every week either. Yeah. Kind of yeah. And I mean, I think it's, like I came down to it, it's so individual. Like, I have a kid that he's 18. And we added 140 pounds or something to the squat, and he is not on anything. And he weighs, you know, he just squatted 570 at 190. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. And that's, I think, I think the big thing is people, people overcredit performance enhancing drugs and undercredit how much of the work just needs to be done. Yeah. How much you need to be driven. You know, and it doesn't matter. Like I said before, the guys that say they'd be in the NFL if they just took some too, no, they wouldn't. Because you'd be there, <laughs> yeah. And you know what, uh, Phil? Let me let me temper this too, just with a caveat. It's possible, but within reason, right? Yes. Like nobody's going to weigh two hundred and fifty pounds with four percent body fat unless they're using, you know. Yes, and we've yes. talked about it. same thing with on the strength side, right? Mm-hmm. It's highly unlikely. Um, I would go so far as to say impossible for a, a normal sized guy. To squat 975 clean, right? I'm, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah the, the, the drive and the possibilities of naturally gifted people are pretty amazing. But, again, you have to temper that with reality. Yes. Right. Yes. So. And you become, you know, I can – I don't have any real statistics on hand. But I bet I could tell you with a, in within a 95 percentile – just by looking at somebody and watching them train and lift, who is and who isn't. To a, oh, yeah. <laughs> just because I've been around it so much. Oh, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, you look at the, somebody, their their neck and their traps, you know, they're just enormous. They're they're kind of purple-faced. They weigh, you know, yeah. 290. Yeah, you're kind of getting this vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that's like, I mean, I talked to you off the air a couple weeks back about, you know, some of my lifters were looking at somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, they're natural because they're not ripped. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that's not a greatest indicator. No, no. You know, they just lifted three times what most people do. You know? Right. Yeah. So there's there's more than one indicator. It's not just, you know, there's a lot of people that are on stuff that aren't ripped. It is more subtle, so, though, isn't it, in powerlifting because 
of the the extreme leanness is not there. There, yes. it's a little less dramatic, except for just their sheer body size and, and muscular thickness. Yeah. You know, but I can see how a, a beginning powerlifter it'd be harder for them to tell if somebody was dabbling with some yeah. little extra testosterone versus you know yeah. just going hog wild. Yeah. No, I mean, but I think powerlifting and strength force is a great indicator for the 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 natural population to look at um, as far as what's what's attainable and what's real because even at that level at, at powerlifting and strength sports the amount of the population that is really strong and really lean is very low oh yeah you know most of the people that are really strong are not under 10 percent you know? for sure for sure despite despite what they're taking so, I mean, it just shows you that, yes, there are a few, there's a small percentage of the population out there that can be naturally lean and naturally strong, but it's still small. So, Well, it's, it's the whole idea of recruiting in sports, right? You recruit get naturally gifted people um, because they're rare. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. yeah. There's a reason that, you know, there's, there's, I don't know how many million, but I'm just going to pull numbers. Let's say there's 50 million kids playing Little League football. Mm-hmm. And and high school, out of those fifty million, a million get to go to college to play, and of those million, like two hundred go to the NFL. Those are the real freaks, You're right? You know? Yes. So, you know, it whittles itself down over time to yeah, to yeah. the real, you know, the cream of the crop, and yeah, that's despite sure. drug use. So, so uh, any thoughts for listeners as far as celebrity? You know, strength celebrities, will say, that do coaching. I hesitate to necessarily call them coaches because you and I both know there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. You can be an amazing athlete and suck as a coach. But yeah. any any um, advice for listeners as far as enhanced, openly, right, admittedly enhanced strength celebrities and following their programs? What would you suggest people do when, they, when they're exposed to well, that? I think with any coach, what you need to look at is not them. Go start looking at the people they help. Yeah. Okay. If they're not helping a large, if they're not making, let's say you want to get strong, you want to be a strong person. If they haven't made a lot of people considerably stronger, you probably don't want them as a coach. You know, d- despite what they're doing, who cares if they're squatting a thousand I like pounds? It. If they're not, if they're not helping other people do it, then they're not putting the rubber on the road. You know. So. Yeah. Don't look at them. That's actually really yeah, good. Yeah. Don't look at just them. Yeah, they're not matter what they're doing They're Yeah, they aren't you. You need to look at the other people they're helping. So if they're not helping a large quantity of people get considerably better and there's basically what needs to be happening is them not saying how good they are. Everybody else saying how good they are. If a bunch of other people are saying, dude, he's awesome. I'm stronger. I just won this. He's probably a good coach. If they're just saying it, that doesn't mean anything. You know, everybody thinks they're I think I'm awesome. (laughs) 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 It doesn't matter what I think. So. Uh, you know, that's like any business. The best, uh, the best advertisement is word of mouth from other people. You know, if you have ten people, if, if you see a sign for a, a new restaurant in town that tells you it's amazing, of course they're going to say it's amazing. But if you have fifteen friends of yours come up and do, oh, man, you got to try this. It's the best food ever. That's good advertisement. If if somebody comes up to you and says, man, I'm so much stronger. Joe Schmo really helped me with my training, fixed my form, and I'm, you know, added 20% to all my lifts. And you have 10 people do that? Okay, we got something going on. Right, yeah. So, uh, an authentic endorsement like that. Yes, know. yeah. So, 
All right. Okay, everybody. Well, uh, we're just about out of time, but I thought that might be something to bring up because it's obviously this is a decades old issue. Uh, you do see it a little bit more with powerlifting and because of the social media, because powerlifting used to be so closet. You know, there was like Powerlifting yeah. USA magazine in a handful of people's hands. But the muscle magazines have done this sort of thing for freaking ages. You know, here's my ridiculous heavyweight, high volume uh, mm-hmm. routine and whether or not, you know, the average Joe should even be taking that yeah. seriously. Kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so, so. All right. Good stuff. Yep, and uh, the Arnold is next week, so I hope if anybody's there, track me down. I'll be scooting around somewhere. So, Good stuff. All right. Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good. uh, Knee sleeves. Wraps of some kind. Things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.